Welcome to the Darkness Dwells podcast. I am Jason White. And I am Michael Schutz. And this is episode 85. This week, uh, I had a chance to talk with Lucy Taylor over her new novelette released by Tor.com, Sweetlings. Michael and I will be talking about uh, um, uh, the new Alien movie, Covenant. And Michael also wanted to discuss a little bit on uh, the new uh, Twin Peaks show. Uh, so a welcome everyone. How you been doing? Michael? I thought I had the whole hour to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me renegotiate my contract. <laughs> you might want to adjust the pay too. <laughs> oh yes, I'm organizing a union. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, the podcasters' union. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So how you've been doing, Michael? It's been like as we just said uh, before uh, talking here. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. It seems like a couple months. It does uh, sometimes, uh, yeah. I know I'm really rusty. I don't know how does this thing work again. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? <laughs> well, I've been doing really good. I went down to Sacramento Pride this last Saturday, cool. promoting my new book, Edging. And the uh, Queer Sacramento Authors Collective, of which I am, I am a member, although I don't make it to meeting. And I discovered that I have no social skills whatsoever anymore. <laughs> my, my reclusiveness has wiped away any, any ability I have to communicate with, with people one-on-one, basically. <laughs> did you, uh, did you uh, make any... Fr- well, first of all, do you know anybody from there? Do you talk to anyone on online? Yes. Um, I knew, well, at least I talked to Scott online, uh, the organizer, but I finally met a lot of, put, put uh, faces to names, as the kids say these days. <laughs> and yes, I made some good friends, and uh, yes, that's nice. So I will continue my friendships with them online, where I can actually hold a conversation. Yay! <laughs> it's always easier when you're not face to face. And I was such an old man. I can't believe what an old man I turned into. We're complaining about about the music and oh, I can't hear anything over that bass thumping and oh, my arthritis is bothering me. God, everything that came out of my mouth, I just cringed. Did you pull out your cane and start waving it at all the kids? I forgot my cane at home. Oh. That's how old I am. I forgot my cane. Well, <laughs> you know, you you have to have the cane. You, you gotta, you gotta, you know, threaten the children or something. I was in my bathrobe, however. Oh well, there you go. That works. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I'm oh. glad I I made it down. Oh, that's good. Love those. Love those. Those uh, people from the Q-Tech group. That's awesome. Uh, my my last couple of weeks have been pretty uh, uh, pretty droll. Nothing all that new except for one thing, but I'm going to talk about that just before you go into your Twin Peaks. Um, before we get into anything of the show, though, I'd like to talk about our sponsors. Um, first of all, we're very proud to be sponsored by Crystal Lake Publishing. They've been publishing since 2012 and have quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of uh, dark fiction. Um, they most recently 
released uh, an anthology called Twice Upon an Apocalypse. Now this uh this anthology is uh is you know pretty cool. It's 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 taking you know fairy tales and mixing in some uh uh some Lovecraftian uh old ones into uh into the whole mix. So I highly recommend people go check that out. Also check out things like uh or books anthologies like Gutted. Uh we covered that a lot last year. Um there's a lot of amazing talent in that. We got to talk to Ramsey Campbell. That was an amazing collection yeah. anthology. That was an amazing anthology. And uh, we also talked to Mercedes Yardley, Brian Kirk. We, uh, you know, the people that Crystal Lake publish. Uh, it's you know, it, it's top tier stuff. Even though they're a small indie publisher, definitely go, go to Amazon.com or go to CrystalLakePub.com and check them out. Um, now we're also sponsored by audible.com and um audible is a it's an online audiobook it's not really a club but you join it uh you pay a monthly fee and you with that fee you get a, a an audiobook for pretty cheap because audiobooks are expensive so if you want a free audiobook just to check them out go to www.audibletrial.com slash darkness dwells and uh, choose any book out of their library download it to your your cell phone your uh, your ipod your computer wherever and uh, check out see if you like audiobooks if you don't already now like i said you can choose from anything in their library with uh, that uh, with that month-long membership trial but i'm going to make a suggestion uh, i'm going to suggest Todd Keesling's The Final Reconciliation. He was a guest on our show a few months ago, and we talked about this book. Uh, yes, he's been making a lot of waves lately. Yes, and with this book, it. too. Uh, I believe yeah. it was recently released uh, as uh, as an audiobook. I don't know if it was released at the same time as, uh, as the actual book itself, so I, I'm not sure. But anyways... Uh, Definitely check it out. It's a fun story, especially if you like rock and roll, heavy metal. Um, if you like Tool, <laughs> had to just get that in. There. Oh Lord, was that our Tool conversation? <laughs> it was, yes. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Todd Keesling, he's uh, he's an up and comer, and he's a really talented author. I think you should check it out. All right, Michael. Okay, is this my chance to fin- finally breathe a sigh of relief that Twin Peaks is finally back? Yeah, sure, go right ahead. Oh, so, as everyone knows, I am in love with Twin Peaks. I am the original fanboy, and uh, I am just so glad that Twin Peaks The Return is on, and it's fantastic, it is so marvelous. Um, but... I just, I just wanted to comment a little bit, because there has been, you know, some chatter on the internet about how it's too complicated, and it's too weird, and there's <laughs> people that don't get it, and I mean, did we not see that coming mm. from, like, a thousand miles away? Because, you know, back when Twin Peaks came out in 1991, I mean, now we look back on it, and... It's just, it 
everyone remembers it so fondly and everybody loves Twin Peaks that it was landmark television and it's probably uh, arguably the most influential television program for the showrunners of the last you know several years mm-hmm. uh, David Chase from the Phantoms talked about how the dream sequences inspired him to do a lot of the Tony Soprano dream sequences uh, Leftovers Lost all, the, all those showrunners Fringe um, famously has a little little uh, kind of a, a verbal cameo from Dr. Jacoby but but when you when you when you think back to what actually happened, people did not get Twin Peaks. There was the core people. I mean, the first season was very popular. You know that that got people who killed Laura Palmer. But people did not mainstream audiences quickly fell away. They didn't get it. They didn't get it back then. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks back now and says, "Oh my God, that was great." But there was a reason Twin Peaks only had two seasons, and it's because it was too complicated, it was too weird, and people didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> people forget that um, in the middle of season two, there was a hiatus, and season the rest of season two almost didn't happen. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that it, uh, Showtime has the return so that they can do it well, because it's very much... I saw um, a post or... Uh, like an article that said, should Twin Peaks be called Twin Peaks Season 3? Which it's not. It's not. It's called Twin Peaks The Return, and it's it's sort of, it's a big, complicated ah, beast. It's this beautiful, it's going to be this 18-part story that is in the Twin Peaks world. So I'm just, I'm absolutely loving it. I... Having Lynch direct all the episodes, it's just, it's so fantastic. That's awesome. Um, uh, And yet, not surprising, like you said, I had to laugh there when when you said people aren't getting it and they think it's too weird or complicated. Yeah. The funny thing about that is I can understand people saying that in the early 90s with the original series because, you know, David Lynch wasn't as well known back then. Uh, he was, but he wasn't, if that makes any sense. Like, now he's, you know, it's exactly. common knowledge to know that David Lynch writes very fucked up material. Um, and that's, yeah. that's why I laughed, because how, you, you're not, it, you're not entirely meant to understand what's going on. Now, I'm not, I can't comment on this show because I haven't, I haven't been watching it. Me and television don't always get along. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but uh you know I'm a big David Lynch fan and I love the stories where he leaves me guessing what the hell's going on the most because it gets my imagination firing it 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 makes me start to you know it gives you that feeling of awe and wonder when uh because you're confused and you're <laughs> unsettled and uh is is the show like that at all It is it's completely like that um and I think back to our discussion of Baskin and, and what we said about it, like Baskin, one of the major points of, of Twin Peaks is that the puzzle is the point. You know, you don't you don't watch um, a David Lynch film for a mystery that gets solved. Part of leaving confused and needing to think about it—that's part of the attraction. That's you know, uh, that's what Lynch fans like—is getting buried inside this puzzle box. 
and and there are no easy answers, and you're going to come away confused. Um, there's going to be some mysteries left over, um, and I'm just I'm so happy uh, that he's taking the time with with this Twin Peaks, the return. You know, he's setting up some really big ideas with new characters and new places, and and it took me aback a little bit because it isn't just in Twin Peaks. You know, because it isn't Twin Peaks Season 3, which is what I expected. I did. Um, but I'm pleasantly surprised yeah. that it has a much larger scope. And I just I can't wait to watch it all um, reveal itself. I, I keep hearing or seeing people on Facebook refer to it as uh, Season 3. Yeah. Yes. But it's I not. Mean, I, it's, I it's certainly just did, but it's, it is. It's it's an event, you know. It's I, I keep wanting to say it's a, it's like a separate movie, but it's eighteen hours worth. So it's kind of it's its own separate thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, are they are they just conti- like are they doing the whole thing, eighteen episodes, or are they splitting it up into like maybe two seasons? No, as far as I know, it's it's just all the way through with eighteen episodes. It's too bad that they're ending there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I always, I kind of like when things have a definite end. And of course, I'm somebody that I don't need, don't like all the loose ends tied up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like shows or, or any sort of you know, creative endeavors that just kind of keeps on going when... Most of the the mojo has already been been spent. Awesome. You know, kind yeah. of like you know with Firewalk with me. Everybody, you know, the Twin Peaks fans and the kind of the, the idol uh, watchers of the show expected that it was going to be Agent Cooper and it was going to be in Twin Peaks and everything. And then they were like, "Well, what is this? This isn't Twin Peaks. There's no Agent Cooper in it." <laughs> uh, well, it was a prequel in it, sort of its own thing too. So yeah, yeah. we yeah. could we could use that as a segue because it's sort of like how Prometheus and now Covenant is in the alien world. But it's not exactly synced up, you know. It's not like it's like, oh no, this is this is part one and two, and we find out that you know, Alien was part three. It's you know, like like Ridley Scott says, it has the same DNA as Alien, but mm-hmm. it's sort of its own separate thing. Oh, very much so. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that conversation for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, we need to take a break. Uh, no, not yet. Um, I oh. wanted to first talk, like, while well, you were, uh, while well, you've been steeped into uh, into that, I uh, wanted to uh, talk about more, a little bit about Crystal Lake uh, because I signed up for their mentorship program. Yes. And uh, I did that about well, what's the date? Is we're recording this right now on June the eighth, and. Uh, I signed up, I think it was just like the day before June started, and uh, and so far, you know, I've been really pleased with uh, with everything that, that's happened. Uh, now, for people who don't know what this is, it's uh, Crystal Lake Publishing. Uh, every month, they have three slots open for three different services, I believe. Now, uh, uh, the service I chose, and the one I'm going to talk about, is the, uh, the full uh, full mentorship program. 
So I'm going to just read the description here for that. It's limited to three spots a month, and this option will give you access to two of the three Crystal Lake editors, as well as the publisher, for a full month's mentoring. Now, what this means is this option is... Uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. This option is not for editing your existing stories, but for improving your craft and moving your career forward. Now, uh, I chose from the uh, three editors you can choose from. Uh, there's Ben Eads, Monique Snyman, and Stephanie M. Uh, Widovich. I hope I didn't butcher her last name. I chose Ben Eads and Monique Snyman. I actually am reserving Stephanie for a later date because she, um, uh, she, she, uh, she does poetry. She's the poetry editor for Raw Dog Press, or sorry, Raw Dog Screaming Press, and uh, she, if you choose Stephanie for this uh, mentoring pro program, uh, she she can help you with poetry, and I've been kind of dabbling in poetry, and when I decide to uh, go full into that, I was thinking of, uh, you know, doing the mentorship program again. You do have other options, so you don't have to do, like, the full mentoring program, because you also have the option of uh, mentoring by a Crystal Lake editor, which is probably the one I would choose, uh, career mentoring by entrepreneur and CEO of Crystal Lake Publishing, which would be Joe Minard, or editing services, so... Uh, as I said, I chose the full mentorship program, and so far I've been talking with Ben Eads and Monique Snyman, and, uh, with Ben Eads, I actually had a, uh, uh, a Skype conference with him, uh, just the other day, and, uh, it was really awesome. He, he's very knowledgeable about what he talks about. Uh, we talked about character development and how to create realistic characters and uh a lot of the stuff he brought to the table was just mind-blowing i couldn't you know believe his knowledge and uh he's very passionate about the subject too i highly recommend uh you can choose any one of the or any two of the three if you go for the full mentorship program but uh i would suggest ben eads myself just because of my own experiences monique uh i've been we've been exchanging a lot of emails and she's been uh passing off a lot of information to me as well about self-editing and uh uh excuse me uh oh she just sent me like an email today i can't remember what it is i haven't read it yet but uh yeah tons of information from her as well so um the cost for the full mentorship program is i think 150 dollars um but you get a full month worth of information of how to improve yourself as a writer oh i uh uh, these people, like Ben Eads, for example, he's, uh, he is the editor of, uh, of, uh, sorry, uh, Tales from the Lake, Volume 4, is it, I think, that's coming out this year? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, Monique Snyman, I believe, is the editor of Tales from the Lake, Volume 3, which came out last year, so, uh, wow. Ben Eads also has a, a novel out, or, sorry, a novella out, it's called, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's not Crack the Sky, that's, a uh, Mastodon as uh, Cracked Sky, and uh, I highly recommend that as well. So, have you ever just uh, thought about taking on a mentorship program at all, Michael? 
What I'm looking forward to when I get the extra scratch, I want to take the Aaron Sorkin Masterclass. Oh, yeah. Um, that's about, I think it's $95, and you get a whole bunch of online classes. Uh, the novel writing one is from James Patterson, but... I know I don't uh, I don't like Patterson very much, and I don't like the fact that he farms out his stories now to to ghostwriters. Yeah, and I do love Aaron Sorkin. Um, I've listened to some snippets of him talking about character development and such things. So he teaches screenwriting, but I think I think what he has to say about character and pacing and such would still be very valuable to my writing and short stories and novels and such. So I I I love that you're talking about, and I think that any sort of thing, uh, you know, brush up on you know writers out there. We should we should always be learning new things. We should always be brushing up on our craft. It exactly. sounds it sounds great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun too. You know, and uh, uh, I I enjoy working with Ben. He's very uh, knowledgeable, and so is Monique. So and also you know I forgot to mention actually Joe Meinhardt. I hope I pronounce his name right. Um, uh, he's been emailing me a lot of information about, um, <coughs> excuse me, social network, <coughs> how to build a platform and all that. And he's got uh, a ton of information on that kind of stuff. And, you know, you can take that stuff to heart because he's built uh, Crystal Lake Publishing off this type of stuff. So, um, so you know, it's it's like you were just saying, Michael, it's, it's good to... Uh, not only just you know to brush up on old skills, but to uh, to learn new ones, and it's also a good thing to uh, hire people uh, if you're going to choose a mentorship program. Hire people who know what they're talking about, and uh, these guys certainly do. All right, so that's the important thing. You yes. know why? You know, don't take uh, you know don't don't be mentored by somebody you don't know that you've never heard of some some shyster. And I mean. We, we like Crystal Lake for a reason, and, you know, you and I know these people, and readers out there know them, too. So, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's trusted advice. You can, you can pretty much count on that. Yeah, what I want to know is, has this really started your gears working? Are you fired up about, about writing now, a new project? Oh, very much so. Actually, uh, I decided to go back to an older project that I uh, kind of let drop a bit what I was uh, writing last year. Uh, the, the story, actually, in which you die, Michael. <laughs> I've decided to oh, resurrect yes. it. Oh, yes! I need that to come out. <laughs> and uh, I kind of figured out, just by talking with uh, with Ben the other day, why the story fell flat on me. So I'm going to... I need to rewrite a good chunk of what I had written, and uh, then I'm going to just take it from there. Great. Oh, that sounds awesome. But I don't worry, I you're, you're still going to die. read some of your new stuff, so... <laughs> All right, so uh, we've both been on an adventure, and uh, now we're here, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're gonna take a, just a small break here, just to uh, just to clarify who sponsors us, and uh, and when we return, I will be joined by uh, Lucy Taylor, and we're gonna talk about her uh, science fiction horror novelette released by Tor dot com. It's called Sweetlings, and it's a pretty sweet novel. See what I did there? Awesome. <laughs> yes, right. I like that. And then uh, after we talk to Lucy, um, Michael and I will be back together, and we're going to talk about Alien Covenant. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing www.crystallakepub.com Hi, welcome to the Patreon campaign for Crystal Lake Publishing. I'm Jasper Bark. Let me explain to you why I was thrilled to be an advocate. I've been working with Crystal Lake Publishing since the publication of their first official release, the anthology for the night is dark. Over the last three years, I've watched them grow into one of the world's leading indie publishers of dark fiction. But times are hard for indie publishers, and that's why they need your support. Not only to pay the huge number of people who work tirelessly behind the scenes to make certain that each book is of the highest professional standard, but also to pay all anthology contributors a top professional rate, to include artwork in every single one of their books, and to pay a quarterly bonus on royalties to all their authors. In return, they are offering some truly amazing perks, so please do take a moment to go and check them out. The perks are offered over two tiers, so there is something to suit everyone's budget. And, because this is Patreon, you can put a cap on the amount of money you spend each month so you will never go above budget. But the main reason to support Crystal Lake Publishing is because they build communities. Communities of readers and writers, of artists and filmmakers, and genre enthusiasts of every stripe. And that's why I am so proud to be an associate why I was thrilled to be an advocate for this campaign, and why, most importantly, I hope that you will join me. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. This week I am joined by Lucy Taylor. Lucy is one of the... or Sorry, Lucy is the author of seven novels, including Dancing with Demons, Spree, Nailed, uh, Saving Souls, Eternal Hearts, and the Stoker Award-winning... The Safety of Unknown Cities. Her most recent collection is Fatal Journeys, and you can find her stories in over a hundred magazines and anthologies. Her most recent is a Tor.com release novelette titled Sweetlings, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Oh, hi, Jason. It's so nice to be here. Last time we talked, uh, I interviewed you for the Great Lakes Horror Company, where we were talking about a lot of uh, steamy things. <laughs> we were indeed. <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I encourage anyone listening to this to go listen to that as well. Um, I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes so that people know where to go. Um, right. But... 
while we were talking then, you suggested to me that I might like uh, your your novelette that you just released with Tor.com, Sweetlings. And it's almost like you know me very well, because I loved it. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy, truly. <laughs> and how, how do I know you very well? What is the What are your characteristics that caused you to like that, that novelette? Well, I, I like science, and I, I like, uh, I like, I like well. I like creepy things. I like uh, I like, I love the science <laughs> in the. Uh, see, there's two things that come into this story that really uh, that really pleased me, and it was how you use science, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know what you did with that science in order to create really sort of a visceral, creepy uh, story. I mean, the way the story evolves into what it. <laughs> and it's funny that I use the word evolve. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but how the story evolves, it, it's just really creepy. It's very effective, and I loved it. It uh, it really gave me a chill. Oh, I'm, I am so glad. Well, you know, it's funny because actually when I wrote that story, in, in my mind I'm thinking, well, this is, this is horror and some fantasy. And uh, then when it actually came out on Tor.com, and Ellen Datlow, my wonderful editor, she described it on Facebook as um, science fiction slash horror. And I was like, oh, my word, this is wonderful. I wrote a science fiction story. Yeah. And in retrospect, of course, I see that now. Um, I just, I, I wasn't in that mode mentally. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it does have science, of course. What was the genesis behind your writing, Sweetlings? What, what gave you the idea? You know, it's funny. Um, originally, I knew I wanted to do something for Tor.com. Mm-hmm. I had sold to them before. And I had this very vague sort of fairy tale-like idea of this young girl who goes off on some sort of a quest and succeeds and makes it back alive to her father's home, which is very important to her. And then things don't go even remotely the way she had thought they would or had hoped they would. And somehow, I don't know, I really don't know how that evolved into this completely different story that became Sweetlings. I know that at some point I knew I wanted to incorporate trilobites into the story and that it was a, a tale of people struggling to survive on the edge of the water. Um, and it just it just kind of evolved, and I think research helped because one thing kind of led to another. I did a lot of research, um, or at least a lot more than I normally do, um, on trilobites and coelacanths and that era, and I sort of got ideas as I went along. Awesome. What is it about trilobites that uh, that fascinates you? Why did you want to add them into the story? Well, I guess. Um, like many of us as a kid, I mean, I, th- I don't know about you, but I always thought trilobites were so so cool. And I think they're one of the first um, fossil-type creature that young kids encounter or learn about. And I, you know, there is a, there is a scene, a flashback scene, where um, a woman has, has drowned, and she is found with a trilobite in her hair. And I felt that the trilobite worked well type situation. Yeah, it did. <laughs> small, and, small, creepy thing. You yeah, know? and uh, and <laughs> well, they become 
they become very creepy too. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, they they do. There there is a process of evolution, and evolution plays a big theme in this story. Uh, what gave you the like? How did you work with that? Where where did that come from? Because that that's what impressed me the most. That's actually what gave me the creeps the most was uh, the idea oh. of evolution mutating into such a yeah. a vicious sort of thing. <laughs> Well, part of that, I would say two parts, because in my own personal mythology when I'm writing, I'm always interested in the monster inside us, and I always think that while being confronted by a monster externally is it would be a terrifying thing, the very slow knowledge that perhaps I myself am turning into a monster and there's not much I can do about it, that would be so horrible. Then when I was researching Sweetlings, I came across um, a term I had never encountered before, and it just was, it fit perfectly into what I was looking for. I was so excited. Punctuated equilibrium. Had you ever heard that term, Jason? I don't think so, no. <laughs> nor, nor had I. And when I ran across it, I said to myself, oh my God, this is the whole foundation of what's going on in my story. Um, punctuated equilibrium was a theory, a revision of Darwin's theory of evolution that was put forth in 1972. And basically the idea is that during periods of um, environmental upheaval, certain species evolve very, very quickly. There's a departure from the long, slow, gradual evolution that we're used to thinking of, and there's a very quick evolution to keep to sustain certain species and that was exactly what I needed to give some scientific weight to what I was trying to put forth here my character um, Poppy who is uh, an amateur I guess he's an amateur paleontologist an amateur scientist and he loves to expound on this kind of thing to his <laughs> daughter <laughs> so there's a scene where he gets to um, among other things he gets to tell her how uh, evolution is speeding up and all sorts of dark and wonderful things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a... Uh, if it's the same scene I'm thinking of, that's a pretty creepy scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, where he... Well, actually, he kind of says that throughout the the story, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm thinking of uh, uh, one scene where he... Uh, he's he's sort of morphing himself into something else, and uh, mm -hmm. and that that was awesome. Um, but I, I love how you you match the science and the horrific, or at least the horrific results of uh, of evolution into this story. And there's so much going on in this story. Um, I'm wondering how much like it's a it's a novelette. It's a very quick read. It makes me, uh, uh -huh. but it makes it me is. wonder how you approached the world building. Was it something? that you oh. did did the story start off as sort of like a skeleton you just keep adding to it because of all the new ideas or did you go into it with an idea like okay this this is going to be set in this world and we're going to have these rules and all this stuff I think more the latter um I knew when going in I knew um what I was working toward and I knew that these these events were taking place that were very much shaping these people's lives. I knew that I wanted to represent, um, we have three main characters, of course, mm -hmm. and the teenage girl, Mir, I saw as, she's very practical and she's very in touch with her animal instincts, 
which in today's world I think few of us are. I admired her for that. The two men in the story, her father and her boyfriend, Jersey, um, they both share a quality of sort of delight when these weird things are happening. There's, there's one scene where um, something very bizarre has just taken place, and Jersey at first is frightened, and then I think he says something like, well, wow, if, if such and such creatures did come onto the land, that's really amazing. Yeah. And Mir is sort of like, well, you're kind of, she doesn't say this, but you're kind of an idiot, because obviously... <laughs> It's not amazing. It's really bad. She did say that, yeah. <laughs> She's a year in. <laughs> yeah, something, something yeah, something to that effect. Um, and I, I sort of saw them as uh, representative of, of how people do tend to think. And in my view, the people who think like me are, are much more likely to survive, for better <laughs> or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> which which doesn't bode well for me because I think I'd be on the fascinated end. I'd be like, "This is fascinating." <laughs> You'd be saying, "Oh, how cool! Let's go get cl- get a closer look, huh?" <laughs> oh no, actually, maybe I would survive because I'd be like, "This is fascinating," but we gotta run. <laughs> but let's get. Oh yeah. <laughs> we can think oh, about it later. <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't really? want to play the scientist today. <laughs> no, then you're a survivor. I think. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So, um, I was wondering if, if there's going to be any more stories set in this universe. Well, it's funny because somebody asked me that last night, um, who had just read the story and I have not thought about it, but I certainly wouldn't mind. Um, I could pick up maybe a few years after the story ends and see what has become of certain characters and see if, um, the creatures that we've been dealing with have continued to evolve, and perhaps they've become larger. And, and there's some other creatures that have entered. <laughs> yeah, and there's some other creatures that have entered the picture. And perhaps I would imagine in a situation like that that um, there would be groups of human beings. The pace um, that might be competing with each other or warring with each other because this. This group considers themselves more evolutionary, a higher evolutionary evolvement than uh, than some of the others. So I don't know. It's a fun idea to play with. Yeah, I might. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I liked how uh, how the, you have a lot going on in the one story. One of my favorite scenes. I don't know why. Actually, I think it's because it also creeped me out. Was the uh, delivery man. Um, oh, the guy yeah. with the supplies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the supply truck guy. Yeah, yeah. That that was uh, very well done. <laughs> I... <laughs> well, thank you. They, that was a kind of a that was a fun scene to to write. Um, and again, I think Mir to me the the little things like even when she's in a very unusual situation, you notice she pocketed the sunflower seeds mm-hmm. before she got out of the truck. That was that little bit of food that she made sure she took with her. Yeah. And um, then she's looking at what she thinks are grapes, big, juicy, purple grapes in the trees. And she's (laughs) thinking about that as potential food, even though she's just seen something really terrible. Yeah. Um, So. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're not grapes. They're not great, no. <laughs> so this was published by Tor.com, and it was edited by Ellen Datlow. Uh, have you worked with Ellen before? I have. Actually, I've been fortunate enough to know Ellen for quite a few years. 
she put my story in the cave of the delicate singers a couple of years ago for tour.com and um gosh i've been in a number of her anthologies and i've been in two of her um year's best horror awesome. i think i'm in volume seven and volume five well, so she and she's a wonderful, wonderful editor to work with. I can't, I can't say enough about her, in terms of how great she is to work with. Yeah. Did she? Uh, how did you guys approach uh, working on this story? What was the process like uh, for anyone who's curious? When uh, if you're ever lucky enough to, to sell a story to Tor. dot com. Well, and we didn't do a whole lot. I tell you. Um, Ellen is very careful about every little detail, but I was actually surprised with um, Sweetland. We didn't really have, we had maybe a half page of questions and changes. She um, wanted to make sure I, I explained in some, in some way how um, the father gets all this knowledge of science because I hadn't really given any backfill on how he knows this stuff. And she noticed that, for example, um, she had some questions about my um, my fictional reworking of the east coast of the United States. I had put in some little towns from uh, Virginia. I grew up in Virginia. And I, I might add, I took tremendous pleasure in writing that uh, Richmond, Virginia was now underwater. Um, <laughs> 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 that, that was fun. But, yeah, Ellen wanted to make sure that we were kind of at least a, somewhat um, logical in the in small towns that I included, and what else did we do? Um, you know, there really there really wasn't a lot. Um, we did more rewriting, I think, with in the cave of the delicate singers. Uh, but she is meticulous. Ellen is meticulous in finding anything that just doesn't um, doesn't read quite right, doesn't sound quite right, uh, questionable facts, quote-unquote. So I, I'm very lucky to have been able to work with her. Yeah. Um, well, I want to encourage everyone to go to Amazon.com and get Sweetlings for their uh, their Kindle, and it, it's just in case uh, uh, you don't know what the title is exactly, it's Sweetlings, as in my Sweetling, or that's sweet yes. with a ling on the end. <laughs> but it's a you very lovey-dovey term. Yes. And uh, it's very cheap. It's like a dollar. Um, mm -hmm. I think, alternatively, you can go read it at tour.com for free. Is that correct? You, you can. You can. Yeah. So definitely, definitely check that out because this story is awesome. So I was wondering if you're working on anything now and if you have anything coming out soon. Well, I'm working on a novel, um, and I'm looking forward next month. Um, there's an anthology that's edited by writer Eric J. Guignard, and it's The Five Senses of Horror. And my story um, from a couple of years ago in Tor.com is in that anthology, In the Cave of the Delicate Singers. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to that, and also Overlook Connection Press is coming out with an illustrated edition novel the safety of unknown cities and it'll be illustrated by or it is illustrated by glenn chadburn who many people in the horror field know is a wonderful wonderful artist yes that's awesome yeah thank you um well i have a question for you do we have time for it sure because the last time you and I talked, we talked about um, writing erotica, erotic horror. And we did, and indeed. I wondered how. 
did we had there was one there was one very quick very small erotic scene in Sweetland yeah <laughs> involving uh, pushing some hair out of a young woman's face I wondered how you liked that <laughs> well I you know I liked it very much <laughs> if you would consider it erotic in other words <laughs> it was uh, you know it was it was good <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what I liked, okay. what I liked better was her thoughts on 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 sex. Uh, there's a moment where she's thinking yeah. about um, um, her, you know, with Jersey, being with Jersey, and uh-huh. uh, just the way she thought about sex. I liked. Um, I liked that too. She is very pragmatic. I think you're probably thinking about one thing. She she thinks that. He's got to be nice to her because realistically, she is well. She's his only realistic prospect for sex because there are only other yes. there are only two other girls, and one of them is engaged and one of them is deathly ill. So it, <laughs> he better be nice to her. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, that was another interesting aspect uh, of uh, of the story. Um, the male female ratio and uh you know the idea of you know we got to keep the race going <laughs> yes but uh it's I, not looking I, good <laughs> it's not i mean jerry jersey was very invested in that one of his first comments was that they were going to do their part to uh, <laughs> to repopulate the planet <laughs> well of course he's going to say that this is of like a, this is a dream for him. <laughs> of course, he's probably sixteen or seventeen, I guess. Yeah, um, he's like, let's get it on. Let's let's do this thing. Doesn't quite turn out. Doesn't quite turn out like he'd hoped, though. No, of course not. <laughs> it never does, though, if you think about it. <laughs> it, ne- it never does, does it? Sad. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, where can readers find you online? website um, lucytaylor.us I'm on Facebook and I'm on Goodreads awesome. and my blog, I publish my blog um, from my website, I publish that onto Goodreads too, so yeah any of those places Excellent, well th- thanks Lucy for coming on, on to my show and uh, having a conversation with me about sweetlings and, uh, and some erotic things <laughs> Thank you Jason, it's a pleasure as always to talk to you all right, we'll, ha- we'll have you on again when um, when you come up with something new. Is that good for you? I would love that. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. Okay. Thank you for having me. You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work and your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing.
happened here. So, um, recently, Alien Covenant came out. Yes. Now, it's no secret, I don't think anyone really, like, uh, it's, it was, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, and he's getting up there in age, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, that maybe he wanted to take naps or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, um, well, I'm gonna, I'm going to say a resurgence, maybe he's been putting things out steadily, but it seems like he hadn't done very much for, no. for a while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he did, he did uh, Alien Covenant, uh, at least to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure he directed that. He did, right? I just want to double-check yeah. on that, because I don't want to say that he did when he didn't. I, I was under the assumption oh. that he did. Yeah? He did. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he directed it. Now, this is... Uh, I remember, like, about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, we were discussing on the show here what this was exactly because uh, uh, we weren't sure we I didn't watch any of the uh, previews I wanted to go in cold and I did and uh, yeah. we, we were wondering if it was maybe another storyline that they were starting up or if it was a continuation from Prometheus uh, now if you don't want to know the answer to this yourself then I suggest you just uh, you know Stop listening and come put, back put after you pro- see it. Yeah, put our podcast on pause and go to your local cinema. And watch <laughs> Alien Covenant. Uh, now, it is, uh, getting back to the spoiler territory now, it is a continuation of Prometheus. And they kind of take the uh, the new mythology that they uh, created within Prometheus and uh, they, they kind of run with it in uh, Alien Covenant. Oh... What were your? Uh... It's very much a it's very much a sequel to Prometheus. I would say even more than a prequel to Alien. If yeah. Well, you know the the whole idea is that these were uh, at least um, when Prometheus came out, it, the idea was that it was a, a prequel to Alien, and uh, you know you can definitely see that. But as you were saying earlier in the show, um, this. These two movies, uh, Prometheus and Covenant, they don't really belong in the other alien world because there's differences, um, or at least there's things happening in the background that you don't see happen within the alien movies, uh, the original four. Um, and I think, honestly, that's what bothers me about these movies the most. 
is because I can't. I didn't, I didn't know you were bothered by these. I can't separate myself from those old movies. I, I love those oh, movies. Oh yeah, that's, and that's impossible for me too. What What is your uh, what did What was your first impression? Uh, first impression was that it was a it was a five star experience. I I love this movie. Um, I think that that Scott just delighted in giving us what we wanted. However, there were serious problems with with some of the with some of the writing that uh, really bugged me, really bothered me. Made it kind of you know like I can't. Uh, I gave it I gave it four and a half stars on Letterbox. Um, maybe it should be four. Uh, if but damn, it was good. I mean, I, it was good. It was a great. It was a great movie. Um, just some some writing things bothering me. Yeah. Now, uh, can you remember any of the writing issues you had? First of all, there was one shuttle. That's all that that ship had was one shuttle. Yeah. It, it's tra- the ship is is traveling seven years and four months to transport 2,000 people to colonize a new world, and they have one shuttle. That makes no sense whatsoever. I know that they wanted to have the the big scene with the cargo loader and everything, but but they needed to do something to explain why they couldn't use the other shuttles or something that's ridiculous that there would only be one. Yeah. That really bothered me. That was... Yeah, there, there, there were some things about the science that bothered me, too, like you uh, mentioning that kind of reminded me of something that bothered me about the movie as well in regards to the science is that they're, they're traveling light years and light years away or like to another planet, right? To colonize, as yeah. you said. Now, they decide to, because of certain problems, they decide to take a side, you know, to go somewhere else instead. <laughs> and yeah. this becomes like a... a, a sort of an issue between the characters uh, you know a bit of a sensitive spot <laughs> later on but uh, I it was a sensitive spot for me because you can't if you deep space travel would involve a lot of okay we're going there we have to go there we can't just sidetrack and say okay let's check out this planet see if it's good or not and if it's not we'll just go back to where we were going you can't do that <laughs> you, you, you have pretty much have to go where you're going as you know as far as I can uh uh, surmise. It just didn't come off as real to me. I felt the exact same way. Um, it was it was obviously supposed to be because of the tragedy that occurred when uh, what's his name Branson Hansen, you know, when 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 he died, and so that's why the decision was made. But it was it was written pretty sloppy, I thought, because you can't you, you know. Uh, Really, it's definitely uh, the writers pushing the plot forward. I felt that that whole beginning yeah. with the uh, yeah. issue with the issue of them having to go to that planet could have been avoided altogether. They didn't have to uh, do that. They didn't have to do it at all. They could have just had them go into that planet or something originally. Like it didn't have yeah. to be that they were on their way to a certain planet at all, and they ran into a problem, and so went to a, a closer planet. Yeah, that whole uh, beginning. I love have what be- you just said about you, that. You, you can tell it was the writers pushing the plot forward. Yeah. I I love that because you can tell. You know, like 
that the writing came through, and you could tell that they were working on a movie to get you somewhere for that for that spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, along those same lines, what really bugged me, maybe most of all, probably, well, yes, most of all, was that these these crew members followed no procedure whatsoever. Yeah, they they <laughs> had so they true, had yeah. no protocol. They did not act professionally. They it was it just astonished. Yeah, me. I think that was very poorly written. It's it's the year twenty one oh four. And these are are the seven or however many people, dozen people that were chosen to guide this entire mission to colonize a planet, and and they just had no discipline whatsoever. Yeah, um, I just, I couldn't get over that whatsoever. I couldn't get I couldn't yeah, get over that. A good example of that's when they reach that planet. They just they go and land, and and once they land, the air's breathable. Let's take off our helmets, and they all do trusting. Right, and, I mean that you don't. And and then and then they just go trolloping through the long grass like like they're on Earth, yep. not considering. Yeah. Although you know this does come to bite them in the ass in the end, because of uh, certain situations we don't necessarily need to get into, uh, at least not yet. But they they do run into uh, something that uh, that begins to take them out. You could say, um, this is where the movie actually gets interesting. Um, yeah, then the plot holes, you know, it's like, it, to get us to the heart of the movie, they they just kind of, they, they were a little sloppy, yeah. you know, and there were, and, and don't mean to insult the people, but there were three people that wrote the screenplay, and, and once I see three or more people, I get really wary of it. Yeah, because um, you know that... A lot of people tinkering with things to make it work. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably what happened here, too. But, you know, as you were... Like, I said that there's a, a lot that bothered me about this movie. There's a lot that I liked, too. Uh, if I can separate myself from those old Alien movies, especially the first three, um, then I could like these these two movies, Prometheus and Covenant, on their own, because uh, they have some seriously fucked up shit happening. <laughs> Especially in Covenant. Uh, yeah, they yeah, really we explored that. We saw a that. lot of different kinds of aliens. We saw a lot of different, uh, um, I don't know, incubation methods, lots of different, you know. There are a lot of different kills, you know, like when you go see a Friday the 13th movie, you want a, a lot of variety with the kills, and there was a lot of variety in the way shit went down yeah. in Covenant. That's very true. Um, I like... Uh I like that black tar stuff and what it does to people, but if you're if we're going to talk about what bothers us about this movie, that's another thing that bothered me because they even took the mythology of the first movie and they rushed it with the second movie, like with that black tar stuff. And we're going into a bit deeper, I guess, of uh, of spoiler territory here. But uh, that black tar stuff goes into your skin and it infects you and makes you sick. And it turns you into something else, or at least something else pops out of you. <coughs> excuse me. And uh, in the fir- in the in um, excuse me, uh, Prometheus, uh, this happens to I think two people. Can't remember entirely, but it, it took its time. It wasn't like an automatic thing. In this movie, they get sick like right away. Um, they start vomiting, and then next thing you know, there's something popping out of their skin. Yeah. 
It, um, it happens way too quickly. And that's my biggest uh, complaint about the whole alien, like when when we actually finally see the aliens, uh, it the whole process is just so quick. It shouldn't be so quick. It, it, they take the actual animal out of what was kind of scary to me in the original alien because their breeding process and the time it took for things to grow is still amazingly fast if you think about it but uh it it was more believable now it's just like boom it's born and 20 minutes later it's well first of all when it's born it's like a good foot tall and then 20 minutes later it's about seven feet tall and it it didn't leave behind any skin it didn't eat to get that tall you know what i mean I know exactly what you mean. And actually, I watched the original Alien um, yesterday because I was so in the mood for it. And and one of the things that impressed me most about that movie is is the patience that Ridley Scott took, you know, to let everything develop. And everything has to be so fast these days. Yeah. Well, I think you could have created a more tense movie because go back to Alien, the first one that Ridley Scott directed. Now, that movie is very tense. Um, I, I haven't heard even, like, the younger generations complain about it too much like they would of, uh, say, The Exorcist. Um, yeah. But this that movie held your, like, that movie was tense from from beginning to end without a lot necessarily happening. It was the suspense, you know? It was It was an appreciation of suspense waiting for what was going to happen, feeling uncomfortable because you knew something was going to happen, as, as compared to, you know, like, like Covenant and a lot of movies these days, where it just, it gets, quote, unquote, to the point. You know, it's, it's the jump scare that's the point. Yeah. I, I like when it's, it's, it's what comes before that's scary. The, my favorite part of Covenant was when uh, David lured the captain towards the egg. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is fun because... Like, take a look because inside. Because it was cool. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is what I like. Yeah, as I like much that. As, it's great fun watching the alien destroy things and pop out of people. Yeah. Um, it's even more fun just to be on, you know, cringing because something bad's going to happen and you have to wait for it to happen. I, I, there's another scene I really liked. It was, uh, I believe, the android. Uh, I don't remember if it was David or the other guy. It was the bad one. Um, uh, the the yeah, the one that they find on the planet there. I guess that's David, right? Yes, Walter was the yeah. Was Walter's the, good one. the other guy. Okay, so yeah, so uh, David lures, uh, or no, he doesn't lure anyone. He he meets an alien outside at night. And this alien doesn't look like the alien that we're used to. It's 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 sort of like a lesser form of an alien. So he's trying to create the perfect fucking beast, yeah. right? Now, uh, now this alien is uh, not perfect, but it's still fucking spooky as hell. It's like it's like the alien in the, in the moonlight with with nothing but a hole in its face. It's just creepy. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. The point that that all these, you know, all the later alien movies rely on is that the xenomorph is so adaptable yeah. that it takes so many different forms and it can do so many different things. But I think that's kind of cheating because then you have, you when, when you have horror with no rules, 
I think it, it lessens it. You know, mm-hmm. I I think there should be there should be some standard process for for the alien. You know, it was it's supposed to be eggs. You know, it lays eggs and it does this, and then in this movie, it spores. Yeah. Like, well, you know, how adaptable is this thing? I mean, give me some kind of procedure that's standard that it that it has to do to develop. Yes. You know, um, they're, they're just using that as, as an excuse to do all this crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I'd rather less less crazy stuff and more just intense stuff. Stick to the... Yeah, my, my advice, honestly, would be stick to the animal part because that's what alien is. It's an animal. It's an alien animal. It's not, you know, uh, a supernatural being. It's it's just a very yeah. fierce beast, and they they do refer to it. I think, and even in the first movie, it's like the perfect uh, beast. Yeah, that's exactly what Ash says. It, it, it admires its perfection. Yeah, because it has like one hell of a <laughs> of a protective system to it, with the uh, you know acid for blood and all that. Where uh, Ridley Scott comes in. With, to these two movies, and like, you know, like we were saying before, it's not really tied to those movies exactly, it's like it's like maybe an alternative universe or something where maybe this is just a theory on how uh, existence for these aliens and maybe even us uh, came to be and we're more related to these aliens than we thought, or if not that, then, uh, well, this is how the aliens started, at least, um and you know what, Prometheus, that's, I love that you brought this up because, because I wanted to talk about it. Prometheus started to get into the question of human existence and yeah. where we as human beings on Earth came from. And I was hoping we'd get some more of that. Uh, take it a couple steps further. Give us some more clues in Covenant. And that was abandoned completely. Yeah. If anything, all we got was genocide. <laughs> Which was a really cool scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember the the part where uh David is uh landing on that on the planet there and and uh the alien race are like all looking up to him and he rains down that black shit all over them. Yes. That is that just that was beautiful. Uh there and that's another thing about this movie is Prometheus, a lot of people come away from that movie pissed off, but they would also agree that it was a very beautifully made movie, and I would I would say that Covenant is exactly the same thing. It's very beautiful to look at. You could watch the movie just for its uh just for its visuals. Yes. Yeah. I uh I like Prometheus better in, in that respect. I I thought that Covenant kind of Rain that in a little bit. Yeah. God, you know, I think I liked the movie a lot better before we started talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I went in, I went into this with like a chip on my shoulder about the movie, and you went in, uh, you know, loving the movie. <laughs> we, well, we both yeah. can just kind of trashed I, I it. I loved it before I saw it. I, I found myself, I find myself uh, defending it more than you. <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah, because I'm Isn't it weird how that happens, though? <laughs> It is. It's happened you know, before. It's uh, you. Uh, you discover the answers by talking things through. Yeah, that's true. And uh, but you know what? Um, I would still suggest people go and watch it because uh, if you if you can separate yourself from the old movies, if of course you love those old movies like we both do, um, you know you're gonna find 
some flawed movies here with Prometheus and Covenant, but they're still fun. Exactly. And it's very fun. I, you know and what? you know, like Prometheus, I mean, you're going, you're going to love love Covenant because because it is the sequel to yeah. Prometheus more than anything. Um, I want to. I did want to discuss something that's like the biggest spoiler in the world. So seriously, people, if you don't want to know about the ending, because I want to talk about the ending. Okay. And I'm and, uh, and I'm going to. So because I had to look up the timelines and everything when I watched Alien, you know, mm-hmm. the very first one yesterday. That takes place in twenty one twenty two, and Covenant takes place in twenty one oh four. And so we end with David has taken over the ship, and he's. Uh, he, he's ha- he ha- he's in control of the 2,000 colonists and all the aliens. And I believe he was heading back... Was he heading back to Earth? I thought he was heading back to Earth. And now, at I, the end of now Prometheus? I don't remember. At, at the end of Covenant. Oh, sorry, Was he yeah. continuing on to Oregon 6, or was he going back to Earth? I thought he was going I back to Earth. Was, I thought he was going back to, uh, uh, like taking them on their original journey to the planet they were going to in the first place. Well, that's, that's interesting, because as soon as I brought this up, I realized, I thought that he was heading back to Earth to spread the uh, That would make more sense. Aliens. But if, it would make more sense, but it would, it's interesting because in order for Alien to 1979 to happen, happen to that means that David failed. Yeah. Or that either they're not he didn't fail they just took him to another planet but that you know you could argue about this or not argue but contemplate about it for a long time because i think that's where uh where uh, ridley scott says you know don't look uh too deep into the movie in in tying it to the other movies because this this uh, this movie has these movies have the same dna and it's somewhat of a of a prequel but it's not necessarily a joined to that which is just fucking confusing in the first place if you're going to create a <laughs> if you're going to create yes. if you're going to do a, a prelude then fucking do a prelude don't fuck with Let's all do the it. yeah don't fuck with all Thank the mythology <laughs> exactly make it an honest to god prequel that's going to match up like like when you watch rogue one and you get to the ending of rogue one and it's like oh my god it all ties in it's the yeah. exact puzzle piece that introduces star wars yes. it's like oh my god that was the best thing you know, rather than just kind of, it, it's almost, you know, it's hedging, it's hedging his bet so that if things don't match up, you can just say, oh, well, it's not really supposed to. Yeah. Well, take the time to make it match up. Yeah. Take the time to write a good script and then take the time to yeah. make it into a beautiful and awesome movie. I mean, <laughs> don't we want the, didn't we want the ending of Prometheus and then Covenant? To be when the ship crashes onto the planet that the crew of the Nostromo are eventually going to find. I mean, that's what we yes, wanted, right? Exactly. That's what I wanted. I want to say, oh, there's the ship. That's the thing that was found dead. This yeah. is what's carrying the eggs that gets on the Nostromo. Exactly. Why, why can't you do that, Ridley? Why can't you do that for us? Yeah. Like, and then they, uh, uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe with, with Covenant, maybe even... Uh, the problem came to, or the problem came from uh, the writing of it and people getting their fingers in there and trying to mess with the whole thing uh, in yeah. order to make it perfect. And 
and they just end up fucking it up. And because of time schedules, you know, if we don't make it now, it's it's not going to be done. So let's do it. And uh, and they don't take the that extra maybe day or two just to fine tune the script and make it work instead of just yeah. stomping on forward because because you know millions of dollars are at stake or whatever. Well, seriously, I I did like the movie. Oh, I, I think I did. <laughs> you know, I was on the I, when we when I first messaged you about it after seeing it. I said I was on the fence with it, and that, that's sort of where I stand. I I liked it, and yet I, I didn't like it. I don't think you told me that I you did. were you I were remember. very vague. I think what you said was you want to talk about it after I saw it, which I thought was yeah. you loving it. But but I realized that you you left that open ended. I did because I, I didn't. Yeah. Want, I, well, first of all, if, if we're going to talk about a show, uh, a movie on the show, I don't. I try not to uh, talk about yeah. it too much beforehand because then you sort of well, lose that. Fresh. Yeah. So uh, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted the freshness of it, and uh, I think it worked pretty well because uh, I knew that you loved it, and I knew you were going to love it because uh, because of your love for Prometheus. It's very much in that world, yeah. even though they kind of fuck with yeah. the uh, the mythology of that one as well, but. Uh, you know, it's 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 very much in that world, and uh, and it's just as good as per, uh, Prometheus is. So whether you liked Prometheus or not, if you uh, take your judgment of Prometheus <laughs> and apply it to Covenant, if you haven't yeah. seen it yet, because that's pretty yeah. much what you're going to think of it. I think if they had just tightened up the mythology and made that made that stick, and and spent more time <laughs> developing the characters and and, and, and the plot. Why they're going to be there, you know, the first 20 minutes or mm-hmm. whatever, the decision-making process and how that happens, that was really sloppy. That yeah. was like, that was like, for the, it felt like for the third person in the screenplay came along because he had to get it going, you know. I mean, yeah. like, well, we've got to get this done. Who's going to write this for us? <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, this happens and that happens and that's why that happens. Yeah. I, because the heart of the movie, when we see, you know, when, once they meet David and everything, I love that. I love the character of David. I loved his motivation and yeah. how that fit in with how he was acting in Prometheus. Because he was off in Prometheus, you know. He really wanted to be human yeah. or, or something. Thought that, you know, he had a kind of a, a chip on his shoulder or something. Um, so that matches up great. I loved him. I love the idea of what he was doing and where he was going and, and the uh, relationship between him and Walter. That was phenomenal. Yeah, that was fantastic. That's, that, that was one of the redeeming things of the film. Um, also, what kind of redeemed it for me was the gore. I was surprised at how gory yes. the film is. <laughs> it's nasty. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, the first, the first uh, well, every time an alien burst out, I mean, I go to the go to the movies when it's not very packed. But the people that were in there, we all cheered. We all loved it. Whenever, whenever we saw the blood, always fun. Yeah, it's definitely a fun movie to watch. But when you start thinking about yeah. it, you get pissed off. Him. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to kind of you know, Turn like when off. you were those uh, 3D images that were so popular 20 years ago, where you have to relax your eye oh, yeah, to yeah. see it. You have to relax your mind in the beginning of Covenant to 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 appreciate it. You know, kind of relax your your suspension of disbelief until it gets going, and then you can fully engage. Yes. 
All right, so what would you rate it now that we've talked about it? Now that we talked about it, I give it four stars. Okay. Because it was because it was fun. It was a it was a damn good popcorn muncher. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it three stars. Yeah, three's good. I think I was gonna go down to two point five, but I think three's good. Oh, ouch. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it, it's all those plot holes. Um, I thought that they would go into this movie and fix that, but they didn't. They just kept it going like la la la. They they kind of went through and made this movie just the way those uh, uh, the crew of that ship went traipsing through the planet <laughs> all uncaring. You know what I mean? They just la 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 la. And and they should have taken yeah. maybe a bit more time. I mean, it's a beautiful looking film, but they should have made the story just as beautiful in my opinion. But having said yeah. that, there's a lot of good little nuggets in here for the horror fan. So, uh, you know, it's worth checking out just for that, I think. And I think there are lots of little Easter eggs because the one that I caught was the uh, on, on the Covenant is that, I don't know what you call those things, those little bird statues that go up and down and you put in a glass of water. Oh, yeah. And it's like they're drinking them. Yeah. That was on the Nostromo in the original 1979 one. So, yeah, it was. So too, I think yeah. that... Uh, if I had watched watched that one first, I might have caught more. So I think there's lots of little Easter eggs in there, too. Yeah, I remember seeing a couple myself, but I, I don't remember what they are now. But that was one of them, the, uh, the bird dipping into the water, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that is our alien discussion. I think overall we would recommend it, but a cautious recommendation. Sure. Yes, exactly. All right, so... I we're- we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to do the outro. <laughs> oh, it's Aww. over, folks. But come back. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, we did the alien thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great show. Do you talk to uh, talk to Lucy and Twin Peaks and yeah. Covenant. It was a yeah, good long show and uh, lots of stuff. Um, so I hope uh, everyone's listening and uh, and if you are listening, please go to uh, wherever you're hearing this from. Like if you're using Stitcher or iTunes. Uh, if it's Google Play, you can't, but, uh, but please, uh, try to leave us a review. It helps other people see us, if you can do that, and, uh, that will, that will bring in, uh, more people, and, uh, and, you know, that's what we all want, is <laughs> more people. <laughs> and, and come to our, go, go to our, our website, and let us know what you thought of Covenant. I'd be very interested to know what, what all of you thought yes so you, so you can, let us know please you can do that by going to www.wheredarknessdwells.com you can also get a hold of us through our email which is darknessdwells74 at gmail.com you can reach us both on facebook uh i'm on facebook and so is michael and we also have uh we have two uh 
uh, well, we have a page and a group for Darkness Dwells. You can join the group, or you can like the page, and we're always throwing stuff up on those. And uh, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us there at darkdweller74. And I think that's everything. Yeah. I think so. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. And we're watching We're like you. the black spores that, that are going to burst through your back and your chest and out your mouth and breed aliens and cause death and destruction and mayhem and gore. Oh. Yes, and we want you to watch more of that. <laughs> Come join us in our dark journey. <laughs> All right, so I think that does it for this week. Uh, we still have a lot of authors. Like, I've been kind of dropping the ball, and I apologize to anyone who's waiting uh, waiting for us to get a hold of them for interviews. But I will get to you. I, I have a list, and we are going to get to you shortly after this. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, be, thank you for your patience, and we will get a hold of you. And to everyone else who just listens... Thank you for listening, and we will be back. As I just said, we have a, a ton of stuff planned. Be patient and stay dark, my friends. Stay dark, stay dark, stay dark, stay dark. Stay dark.